Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. God is good. And all the time, amen, amen. So that being said, today is a really good message that challenged Pastor. And as I put it together, um, and this week has been a really, 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 did I say really? Crazy week. And I have another one upcoming. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, but that being said, uh, my title of my message today is, Will You Be the One? Are You the One? Huh? I wanted to do a couple things today. I wanted to have a, a drawing with everybody's names and then pull out a name and give you some type of reward. Because everybody likes to win. Everybody likes to have their name pulled out. Everybody said? And, but then I said, well, that's like someone picking the name. But in this message today, the real question you have to ask yourself is not if your neighbor is the one. Are you the one that's going to bring a smile to the Lord? Um, before I get into my message, let me give you some humor. I think humor can go a long, long way. So let me ask you a question. What do you get when you put a turkey with an octopus together? You get drumsticks for everybody. How many love drumsticks? I do. I love drumsticks. I knew your hand would be up for sure. (laughs) Here's the thing. When we come to being thankful or having a heart of gratitude, That is something on our inside of our heart. Nobody can put gratitude in your heart. Nobody can make you be more thankful. I'm a firm believer, and you might hear this again and again, but there are are takers, they are givers, and there are thankers. You're going to fall in one part. You're going to be, it's all about me, 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 me. Or it's going to be, I'm going to give my shirt off my back. I'm going to give, give, give. Even though I don't have it, I'm going to still give. Or you get these people who are so grateful for everything. They're just thankers. They thank. You can open the door for them, and they are so thankful that you opened the door. There are many people you can open the door, and they just walk right through. They don't even give you thanks because it's really all about them. It's not about anybody else but them. And we live in a generation today that everybody makes, and I shouldn't say everybody, but most people make life about them. How do you make me feel? What do you do for me? What, do you, what can you do for me? It's, it's this me thing. It's all about the me. And yet, when you look at Scripture in the Old Testament, it was all about community. Everything was about community. You remember when Achan sinned? The whole community paid a price. I mean, you see that throughout the Scripture. God really, really wants community. He wants a New Testament, a focus from community to unity. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, is that are we part of the unity or are we part of a people who are really grateful and thankful to what God has really given us? And today I want to talk about that. There was a story I read some time ago of a person who called the electric company and um, she talked to the electric company. She's paying her bill online, and the, and the lady who was paying her bill says, can I just say something? And the lady on the line says, sure. She says, I just want to thank you for providing electricity for me. It is such a convenience. I am so grateful for people like you who give me electricity to be able to do my cooking and, and do all the stuff I need for electricity. The lady said to her in astonishment, she, she just was paused. There was pause as they wrote the story. She was shocked. She was amazed. She says, I've been working here for 15 plus years for the electric company, and I have not had one person ever, ever to thank me for it. Lord knows where I live, I've had everybody complain about it, especially when they don't get it. And I started to think about that story and it came to my mind again. And I'm like, wow, Lord, it is so true that we get so many things. God provides so many things. And, well, we just take them for granted. We take a lot of things for granted. But when we don't have it, and that you don't have your hair dryer, ladies, huh? Or, or someone who just came into the bathroom, just took all the toilet paper. Hmm? Or someone, or you get to brush your teeth and stuff, and you can't wait to brush your teeth and stuff, and there's no toothpaste. All of these little things can really be big things sometimes. But we don't give much time. 
I gave you another, in your bulletin, along with a big gratitude chest, I, I gave you a smaller one. And I like to talk about that a little bit um, as soon as I can find it. So this one here on a small sheet that's in your bulletin is another gratitude uh, quiz. And the man who put this out with Charles Stone, I made one some years ago, um, and I was looking for it, but I, I couldn't find it. But I like the things, and I usually do my best to focus on the things. Because I figure this. This is what I figure. Listen to me. I figure that, Brian, if you can be learn to be thankful for all kind of things, you'll have a much happier life. And then when you look at statistics and, um, and health statistics and just so many things, that a person who is happy actually will do better in body, mind, and in company. How many want to hang around with someone who complains all the time? Raise your hands. Come on, raise your hand. Let's see who you are. I'll send a few people your way. Come on. How many want to hang around with someone who just has something good to say and, and everything, and you just encourage you and strengthen you? Come on, raise your hand. Yeah. And if you're not raising your hand, you're a liar. Here's a quiz. Here's a quiz. And I'm going to just, I'm going to just go through these questions. Do you say thank you less than once a day or two or three times a day? So are you like one time, you, you say thank you for anything, for anything, at least one time. Or are you a person who will say thank you to something or someone more than two or three times a day? Number two, do you spend time wishing, dreaming that things would be different? Or do you often thank God for even in the difficult circumstances? I mean, are you the person who will just spend all this time wishing and dreaming, and if, if this was the case, I'd be a lot happier if I didn't have to deal with this? Or are you a person who is actually in a difficult situation, in a situation, and yet you're still grateful and you communicate that? Number three, do you often find fault with others? Or do you express a resistance, a, a resilient, forgiven, with a forgiven spirit and a grace-filled spirit? Which one are you? Are you just full of, you know, you just finding fault? You know, when you find fault with others, you're missing your own faults. You know, people who go around finding fault with others really have the bigger issue of faults in their own life because they're criticizing and critiquing, but it's so easy to do that. People who do that for a job don't impress me because anybody can critique and anybody can criticize, but people who are trying to solve problems people who are trying to make a difference. No, the people who change worlds. Number four, are most of the words that come out of your mouth critical, negative, or are they positive and affirming? Number five, do you have a demanding spirit more often looking to others to meet your needs? Or do you look for ways to meet other people's needs? Do you blame others for your problems? Or do you easily take ownership of your problem? And when you make a mistake, you say, my bad. I'm the blame. I'll be honest with you sometimes. I take the blame many times in a lot of areas. And that's why I work so hard to try to change. But sometimes bringing change is not so easy because even Pharaoh, even, Pharaoh, even uh, Moses, the people of Israel, when Pharaoh took away the straw, they had a hard time making bricks. And so the reality is, sometimes we're in control of things, and sometimes we're not in control of things. The psalmist often speaks about a thankful heart. We as followers of Christ must do our best to model the attitude of gratitude before God as we serve. Now, I really would love you to spend some time answering it. It's really two columns, column one and column two. And at not this time, not right now... <laughs> I see all the heads going down. <laughs> but I'd like you to just spend some time circling whether you're in the column one or the column two. That little two is the column two. So the first one would be uh, number one. Do you, you know, do you say thank you less or, or, or do you do two or three times? So in that case, two would be good. But the rest of them, two is the negative side. So do that and just, just do some self-reflecting. It's good for us. Someone say amen. amen. If you say, you know what, I ain't, I ain't, hmm, I'm not, I'm not a very thankful person. That's okay. As long as you know it, and then you start working on it. 
That's how change takes place. Don't get down on yourself because you find yourself negative and complaining and this, that, and the other thing. Catch yourself and then ask God for help. How many say amen? amen. All right, amen. So I wanted to do this uh, little test with you, a little quiz with you, just to challenge you, because we're going to go in a direction this morning that really going to challenge all of us. Because, see, it's tough to be thankful sometimes in the, in the age we're growing up. I mean, we're exposed to so much stuff in the world Complainers, gripers, grumblers, and critiques. You know, we complain. You hear people complaining about everything. You know, you complain about the weather. When it's hot, it's too hot. They want it cool. When it's cold, it's so cold, they want it hot. You know, they're complaining about anything. It doesn't make a difference, you know. They'll complain about it. So they complain about the weather, the traffic, food, work, neighbors, bills, government, church, life in general. Worst of all, they complain about God. Now, I know we don't say like we complain about God, but we do. We do it, but we don't realize we're doing it, but we do. Think about this. If we could really have a count on the number of complaints and criticism that is spoken daily because God hasn't done what we want God to do in the time we want God to do it. How many times God's providing things for us You know, I'm a firm believer that even for those who complain and those who criticize and those who are negative, I believe even if God gave them what they wanted, they would still find something to complain about, something negative about it. I want to challenge you. That is not the way to live. I have really worked hard not to park there. Because just as well as you, I have places that I can park and become very negative if I allow myself to stay at certain camps. But I chose to say, you know what? I am not going to stay there. I may have a moment, but I will not make that moment my lifestyle. And I think all of us have to be challenged in this because the real big question is, how can we receive so much from the Lord and yet give him so little thanks? I mean, think about it. People say, well, look what I'm in. I got this problem and this problem and this problem. And that may all be true. That may be all be true. But then I would say, What God has done. What God has done. And I guarantee you, if you make a list of all the things, the good things in your life, it will outweigh what God hasn't done yet. I guarantee it. And if you need help, I can help you. (laughs) Because I will put things on your list that you probably never even thought about. You should start off with your breath. Shoes. Clothing. Everybody glad you got clothing on today? You had something to wear? Huh? (laughs) <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, I am. <laughs> Giving thanks, being thankful is not determined by what other people are doing. It's determined by what you do. You know, when some people can steal some joy out of you by the things they say and the things they do, but you are in control of how are you going to be thankful. I'm going to share a story with you of pain, of hurt, of very difficult life. And yet, in the midst of it, God worked out an incredible, wonderful story because of God's grace and provision. You know, most of us know about the pilgrims. We know about the first meal that the pilgrims had, and we know about what took place. But I want to tell you the story from an Indian's perspective. His name is Squanto. Most of you know, unfortunately, they don't teach these things in school anymore. But these are the things that makes what U.S. of A. is because of what took place in the beginning. God's provision, his providence. You see, there was a man, an Indian's viewpoint story, and there was a man named Squanto. And it's an amazing story how God used this Indian named Squanto for a very, very Important instrument. History accounts Squanto's life, and many historians have many variations to it, but most of them believe around 1608, more than a decade before the pilgrims landed in the New World, a group of English traders came onto the island. It was led by Captain Hunt, and Captain Hunt sailed to Plymouth, Massachusetts, and when the Indians became trusting, The Wampanoag Indians came out to trade with Captain Hunt. But Captain Hunt took them prisoner and transported them to Spain. 
and sold them into slavery. But God had an amazing plan for one of the captured Indians, a boy named Squanto. Squanto was bought by a well-meaning Spanish monk who treated him well and taught him the Christian's faith. Squanto eventually made his way to England and worked in a stable of a man named John Slainley. Slainley sympathized with Squanto and desired to help him get home. And he promised the Indian on the first vessel bound to America, he would get him on that ship. It wasn't until 1619, 10 years after Squanto was first kidnapped, that a ship was found and finally had a decade of exile and heartbreak. Once you get this, here's a man who's had a really rough life, taken away from home as a slave, and now he's about to go back home after 10 years. But when he arrived in Massachusetts, more heartbreak awaited him. An epidemic had wiped out Squanto's entire village. We can only imagine what must have gone through Squanto's mind. Why had God allowed him to return home against all odds, only to find his loved ones all dead? A year later, the answer came. A ship of English families arrived and settled on the very land which once by Squanto's people. Squanto met them, greeting them, and startling the pilgrims as he spoke in English. According to the diary of Pilgrim Governor William Bradford, Squanto became a special instrument sent by God's providence. He showed us how to plant our corn, where to take fish, and to procure our other commodities. He was also our pilot to bring us to places that we did not know where to go for certain things. Nevertheless, Squanto never left us, said the governor. When Squanto lay dying of a fever, Bradford wrote that their Indian friend desired the governor to pray for him that he might go to the English God's heaven. Squanto gave all his possessions to his English friends as a remembrance of his love. Beautiful. Who but God could so miraculously weave together the lives of a lonely Indian, struggling band of Englishmen? It's hard to make a comparison of this story when you look at the life of Joseph being hurled away from his family and then yet providing the food for all the people. There's so many great comparisons here. I want you to understand that Squanto's life was an amazing, but it came with a lot of hurt. And yet, look at him. He's there helping. He's there loving, caring, because somehow he had an introduction to the God of heaven. When we get truly introduced to the God of heaven, it will change your heart because you want your heart to change by the one that created you. But if you go around just remembering all the hurt that somebody has done to you, all the hurt that people have said to you, all the hurt that you feel like God didn't do for you, and you hold on to that, you will be a very unthankful person. And unusable for what God wants to do in your life because pain teaches us something. Pain actually, I know you're not going to like this, but helps us. Pain actually teaches us who God is. You know, the person who needs a miracle usually goes through so much pain and anguish and frustration and irritation, but they're in the right place for a divine work of God that does something there and then now does something everywhere. But we don't always want to put ourselves in the time of pain and a time and a place where it just hurts. But if we live by what people say to us, or if we live by what people do to us, and we hold on to it, you will live a very unthankful life because you will think there's nobody out there kind, considerate, empathetic. You will go around that everybody don't trust them. That's not the way to live. That's not the way Jesus lived. So I want to take you to a portion of Scripture, a very familiar portion of Scripture. And let's go to Luke chapter 17. One person who made a huge difference was Squanto. I want you to know 
Will you be the one that makes a difference? Will you be the one that truly make a difference for God? It's amazing what Thanksgiving can do. Our text, verse 17, says this. As we went to Jerusalem, it happened that he went through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, ten leprous men met him who stood afar off. And they lifted voice and said, Jesus, Master, pity us. And seeing them, he said to them, go, show yourself to the priest. And it happened as they went that they were cleansed. And one of them, when saw that he was healed, turned back and glorified God with a loud voice. He fell down on his face at his feet, thanking him. And he was a Samaritan. And answering Jesus, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were none found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise, go, your faith has cured you. The man went home whole, not just physically, but spiritually. What's greater, a physical healing or a spiritual healing? What is greater? Spiritual. A spiritual healing is so important and it's the most miraculous thing your eyes can ever see or your life ever experience when God changes the inside of a heart that's hard, that's stubborn, that says, I shall not be moved. You can't tell me. It's like Gilligan's Island. How many know Gilligan? Let me see how many people remember Gilligan's Island here. I'm dating myself. You know that little, when he starts out, you can't make me, you can't make me, right? And that's the spirit. Every time I see that, I say, that's the spirit of man. You know, I'm not going to move. I'm going to fight against what I know I should do. It's like fighting against authority. It's like fighting against authority that you just don't want to bend to. A hardened heart. But when you get whole, your heart's right, your body's right, because God has touched. That's holistic healing. Verse 13 says, a plea went out. These leopards lifted up their voice and said, Jesus, Master, pity us. Have mercy on us. Is that not a, a cry that we do every day, asking God for help? I want you to think of one thing right now that you want God to help you with. Just think of that one area. Not two areas, three areas, four areas. One area that you just say, God, have mercy on me and help me in this area. Just think about it. We say that all the time. We ask God for help. And that's what these leopards did. They asked for help. And in verse 14, look at verse 14. Instructions to follow and results from obedience. And this is what happens. See them. He said to them, go show yourself to the priest. And it will, as it happened, as they went, they were cleansed. The reason why Jesus sent them to the priest, because by the, the law that God placed, it was only the priest that could declare them healed. So even if they were healed, the priest still had to declare them healed. And so he sent them. And while they went in obedience, something happened. I want to just take a moment here that when you get prayed for, and sometimes it doesn't happen. God does it so differently. I, I never try to figure it out. I really don't. I, I don't spend much time there because God does things so unique. But when someone prays for you and you have a need, trust God that he's still working even after someone has prayed for you. You know, when people want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and people lay hands on them, that the Spirit of God would come upon them and they, a dunamis of power would come onto their life for greater works for God. And sometimes it happens, and then they're in the shower. Or my friend, who was a Baptist minister, was in the cracker aisle at a grocery store. Which, of course, people love to make fun of. Oh, yeah, there's a, in the cracker aisle, there was the minister, a Baptist minister who got filled with the Holy Spirit. The power of God is so real. The problem is, the problem is how hungry are we really for the power of God working in our hearts, working in our life? How hungry are we? And our hunger is matched up to our thankfulness. Because if you're grateful and thankful, you're going to really be seeking God's power and all that he has because he's already done so much. Someone say amen. amen. 
In verse 15 and 16, out of the 10, there one comes to give thanks. And look what he does. This is a powerful portion of scripture. It's in your bulletin as a, a, a scripture to meditate on because he gave thanks with a loud voice. He wasn't like, thank you. I so appreciate it. Thank you so much. No, if someone did something really great for you, are you going to be quiet about it? No. Man, thank you. Especially if you're, you're, a, you're a leper, totally isolated. I mean, you are away from all your family. You're away from people. You are, it's a sad, sad story. And yet all of a sudden, they get healed. Man, I don't know about you, but have you ever had a splinter on your fingernail? Man, it hurts. And sometimes, like, hey, God, I know I'm not a baby, but this really hurts. The problem is, it's not what God heals you from. It, we all should be thankful from the littlest thing to the biggest thing. But he came, and he, he, with a loud voice, and then he fell to the feet of Jesus. He put his knees on the ground, fell with his face to the ground, and gave him thanks. And now this is the big part of the story, is that the people who were Jewish, who were really that God came for, and there was a Samaritan that was in the midst of the group. It was a Samaritan who came back to thank God. The Jewish people would not think this was a big deal in some sense because they wouldn't even want to talk about it. But Jesus puts it in because he's the only one who came back to give thanks. I want you to understand something. This is really important, is that how often do we really give God thanks? When's the last time you thank God? Now, I'm not talking about... You, know, you get into a prayer moment and you, God, you say, God, thank you for everything. You see, if God's done something, you're tell him, thank him for what that one thing is. If God provided you new shoes, you know what? Someone gave you something that you really needed. You know, Lord, thank you for that crock pot that I really needed because no one knew that it was broken, but you did. And then someone just out of the blue gave me a crock pot. Lord, thank you so much. I love how you put it together. And you spend some time saying, Thank you. Let's practice. I'm going to make sure everybody knows those two words. Everybody say, thank you. Thank you. Lord. Lord. Yeah, we want to make sure we put the Lord in that thank you. Amen? Amen. In verse 17 18, Jesus was looking for more. Jesus was saying, hey, wait, 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 wait. Where's the rest of the people that were, that were healed? But he never found them. But Jesus expected them to come back. Not just the Samaritan, but his, the people of Israel should have came back to say thank you. But they didn't. They didn't. Because the reality was they just had other things to do. They were preoccupied. Jesus is looking for the others, but it doesn't happen. Where are the nine? We really don't know what happened to the nine. We really don't know. But the real question is, the real thing is, why didn't they come back to thank the Lord? You know, most people have received some great things from a lot of people. And as I started reading a lot of stories, many people don't come back to say thank you. There was this one judge that in his tenure, he prevented 37 people from going because he felt they were not guilty of death. He prevented 37 people from going to death penalty. And he said, another 37 people, not one of them ever thanked me. You know, he just really, he, he really thought about this and said, are they worthy of the, I see the crime, are they worthy of the penalty? And so, and some he thought were innocent. And he stepped in, some got out of prison, some stood in prison, but they didn't go, they didn't die. But he said, none of them ever said thank you. He said, I wasn't looking for a thank you. But if someone saves my life, I would actually say thank you for it. I don't know, but Jesus has saved your life. How often do you thank him for this great salvation? Or do we thank him only for the last thing he's done for us lately? You see, the man went home that day, and Jesus said, Rise, go, your faith has cured you. The man was healed spiritually, whole. He now had a relationship with God and I think his gratitude was connected to his heart of belief. It's, it's something that he just knew. If, God, if this man could heal me, then this was a person I'm willing to follow. I think of it, if you've been healed by God somewhere along your life, raise your hand. Look at that. And never forget about those interventions of God. 
because those are so important. So here's my question to you today. Would you be the one? Would you be the one that was healed by God, traveling maybe a couple miles, walking? Maybe you, get, you got healed maybe five miles into the journey, four miles into the journey. Would you go back four miles just to say thank you? I want you to think about that. Because what happens, I was just putting some things together, wondering why they didn't come back. I mean, were they givers? Were they takers? But the nine weren't thinkers. And I'm wondering if you had to, God gave you a miracle, but it was a miracle of a duration, of a, jam, of a challenge, and he finally gave you a miracle. Would you travel four more miles back just to say thank you? Because there was one guy who traveled back and left the group. to say, you know what? I'll get to the priest, but first, I'm going back to thank the guy who just spoke the words and prayed over us. I want you to understand, would you be the one, if God looked at heaven, God looked down, and he looked at you, would you be the one? Would you be the one while everybody else not thanking? Maybe they're complaining, maybe they're wishing, maybe they're dreaming, and they're not content, they're just not content. But would you be the person to say, God, I know it ain't the way I want it to be. I know this is really hard, God. I'm not liking this moment, God. How many ever said that, huh? Come raise your hand. And you said it like, I'm not liking this moment, right? I've said that. But God, listen, I trust you. Thank you for what I'm going to learn. Thank you, because I know you're going to do something in the journey. Someone say, in the journey. On a normal day, do you spend more time giving thanks or complaining? Just, thought, just think about it. Just think about it. On a normal day, on a normal day, do you spend more time giving thanks to God or complaining about your life? Where are the words of your heart as they communicate in your mouth? I was thinking about this, but I've met a few people who have gone around the world in different places and stuff, saw a lot of different things. And, and so just think of a person who's been all around the world, seen everything. And then when they go to another country and they see the same thing, they're not so impressed because they say, yeah, I've seen that already. I like what Ralph, I like his middle name, Waldo Emerson. He said this, if the stars only came out once a year, everybody would stay up all night long just to behold them. But when's the last time you looked at a sunset? When's the last time you looked at a sunrise? When's the last time you just gazed at the stars and saw the glory as Psalms 18 tells us the marvelousness of God's hand? But because they're there all the time, the sun rises. As it evolves around, it looks like it rises. And, and as the sun sets, sometimes we're not even, we can't even take time to look at the beauty of God. What God because we're busy. We, we have things to do. Hey, listen, our favorite TV show was on. The reality is you can't beat a sunset or a sunrise. It's something beautiful. And I think that's what happens to all of us is that we have seen the stars and we don't bother to look at them anymore because, yeah, we know they're there. And sometimes we take so many things for granted that we become complainers instead of thinkers. But if we would be focusing on the things that we do have and thanking God for the things we do have, you wouldn't spend much time complaining and being negative. But most of the time we're negative and complaining. And so we have a day in a year for Thanksgiving. And everybody wants to give thanks this one day, but it's not about a day. It's about a lifestyle. Let me take you to a powerful portion of Scripture found in Numbers. <clears throat> Numbers 11. It's the people of Israel. They're in the wilderness, and God is blessing them and taking care of them. But in Numbers 11, it says this. Now the people complained about their hardships in hearing of the Lord, and when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. When the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. So that place was called Tabera, because fire from the Lord had burned among the people. The rabble with them, and rabble meaning those that were probably of Egypt, not necessarily Israelites that were in, infused in the group of people, that were not following the Lord. The rabble with them began to crave the other foods, and again the Israelites started wailing 
and said, If only we had meat to eat, we would remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost, also cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Manna. Nothing but manna. They were getting a daily miracle from God every day, and they were complaining about it. And then they wanted to go back to the place of slavery, and God's daily provision of what God was providing them, they were thinking about all the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic and all that stuff there, and they were willing to trade God's daily provision for a different menu. And sometimes we do the same thing in our own life. We're so quick to complain about what isn't happening, what this, that, and the other, and we do not enjoy and receive what God has already done. We expect God to do so much more, but we can't even give God thanks for what he has done. And as God is providing every day, we're now looking at other areas and think, oh, if this was only different, if I only had this, I'd be happy. No, you won't. No, you won't. I'm going to guarantee you you won't be happy. Because it's not your place that makes you happy. It's the sight, the interior of your soul that determines your joy. You see that? It's not your where you are. It's who you are that gives you your contentment of your soul. God had fed the nation with heavenly manner, but the people were just tired of it, just tired of it. And so we learned something from here. We learned that in the miraculous provision of God, we sometimes get, mm, how should we say, immune to it. Just immune to it. It's like God's presence sometimes. We get immune to it. But miracles and daily provision of God is where we want to live. Thanking God. We say grace. Why do we say grace? Saying grace is a part of just being thankful that God provided another meal. If someone cooked it for us, you should be so much more grateful that someone cooked for you. Man, if they provided a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I'd be happy. I happen to like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> that's, what I, that's how my kids survived when I was on dad patrol. We're going to eat dad. <laughs> Got it covered. Peanut butter and jelly. Protein. <laughs> we have a challenge, though. When we look at that one that came back to give thanks, when we look at the people of Israel, God providing so much. Look at the ten plagues and what he did to show his power, to show walking through the Red Sea. Look at it and how fast they were quick to forget the goodness and the greatness of God. But, you know, people say, if I was there, I wouldn't do that, God. Not me. No, 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 no. Liar. We are liars when we say that because God has provided so much for you and I and we're still guilty of the same sin and the same crime. We're still guilty of saying, you know what, God? I'm not going to be happy until. God says, son, daughter, I want you just to be grateful for where you are. I have you. I know you. I'm with you. Learn of me. Know me. But unfortunately, the nine that never came back, well, maybe they were too busy. Maybe they were so self-absorbed, they just were wanted to do what they wanted to do. Maybe they're too lazy, whatever the thing is. Let me share a moment with you just for a real reflection. There's, how do I know? How do I know if I'm getting accustomed to my blessings? How, what is there? Is there something there? Is there something there? I'm going to just give you two. I, I thought of a lot more, but for the sake of time, I think this too will get the drift. Evidence is that you have grown accustomed to the blessings of God. A spirit of criticism and complaining is heard daily. I, I want you to get that. When you're complaining daily, complaining and criticizing, it's really understand. Philippians 2, 14 and 15 says, do everything without complaining. Uh-oh. I'm going to just say, uh-oh, right there. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. Did you get that? As we look at the glory of God according to Psalms 18, 
We see God's universe. God looks down and sees his great stars. You're a star. Look at your neighbor and say, are you shining, my little star? <laughs> are God's stars shining? Are you shining gratefulness? Are you shining joy? Are you shining because you have greater seed that's in you than in the world? I mean, this whole thing is, is a relationship with God. And it's not easy. I know that. It's not easy. But nothing good and great is ever easy. You know, people see people who are good athletes and they've got muscles on them and, you know, they see some type of, or you have a businessman that has just done really, really well and, he, you know, he's just done really well for himself. Listen, that took work. That took intentionality. The reason why they accomplished it is because they worked hard at it. They stood focused. They kept the majors, the majors, and not focused on the minors. That's the reason why. Instead of thinking God and complain, and thinking, uh, thinking, and th- instead of thanking God, we often just want to complain about what's, what hasn't happened yet. And we always think that if I could just get this or have this or, you know, I hear this all the time, you know, if I can have a wife that's like this, I'd be a happy guy. If I had a, a husband like this, I'd be a happy wife. As true as that can be in part of the equation, I also say this, your happiness and your joy and your thanksgiving and your gratitude happens in you. It's always in you before it goes through you. I want you to understand that. It's so important. You determine the attitude of your heart. Look at your neighbor and say, I think he's talking to you. Go just, just, just go ahead. That came from the pastor. I'm just doing what he told me to do. That's all right. Here's the key truth. Here's the key truth. If God did give us what we asked for, would you not also complain about that too? You find some fault about it? I, I've heard this so many times, so many times. People wanted different things. I've got to tell you this story. So I went elk hunting in New Mexico. And I wanted to get a big elk. But I said, God, I don't want just a big elk. I want a record. I want a record elk, Lord. And then someone gave me an upright, brand new freezer. They said, hey, listen, we don't need no more. We're moving. You want it? And I'm like, sure, I'll give it away. I don't need it. And then two days, three days later, a week and a half before I was going to get pulled for a tag in New Mexico, they contacted me and said, you got a tag to go elk hunting. I call my friend up. Hey, Dan, if you're watching. And um, uh, I called my friend up and said, hey, I just got pulled. He said, you can't get pulled. It's still a week away. It's still a week and a half away. And I said, listen. So I send it to him. He says, yeah, you got pulled. And I'm in my garage working on a project, and I'm seeing this big refrigerator, and I'm realizing I just got a tag to get an elk. Now, does anybody know how big an elk is? That's a 1,000-pound animal, Okay. It, yeah, it's on the wall. Yeah. And uh, that's, only, that's only a very small part of it. <laughs> and that part's six feet tall. Um, and so I'm saying, Lord, you're going to give me my monster. And so I went hunting, and my friend shot his. And I thought it was pretty nice. He's like, nah, this is no big deal. This is just a satellite bull. It's, it's okay. He wasn't happy at all. I would have been happy. First one, right? Well, I finally, he finally helped me to get this one here. He was really big in helping me shoot this one. And I, I, in the beginning, I said, God, I don't, I'm, not, I'm a novice, God. I've never done elk hunting before. These guys, they're, you know, they're well experienced. I said, but God, all I know is take my one bullet, like, one, like the stone of Goliath, hit just where Goliath needed to be hit, and he took down the giant. May this one bullet, Lord, take down my giant, because my friend shot ten times, and the, and the thing just didn't. Didn't want to drop. Yeah, but Dan, you only shot it three times. <laughs> and uh, so, so I said, okay. So I had this moment, and there was a moment where I just said, my, my, it's a long story to short to say that I couldn't see through my scope as well as I needed to. Because as you get older, I don't know if you know this, but as you get older, your eyes start changing a little bit. I don't, you probably haven't been there yet. But anyhow, they started changing. And so I couldn't really see it because I had my, my scope magnified so much. And so I had pieces of it. 
And I saw the head, the antlers, I saw the neck, and I thought his shoulder would be there. And I said, God, this is on you. One shot, hit the lung and hit the heart. Died like, ran right by us, shook the ground, and just dropped. And so I'm excited. I want a record. It's huge. It's big on the ground. I mean, it's huge. I'm like, oh, man, we got a lot of work to do now. Long story, a lot took place. Then I find, uh, get it back home, and I realize that mine was a 333. The inches of the antlers was 333 inches long. So it's really, really big. But if I wanted a record, the record would have been 42 more inches onto that. I would have no place to put it in the house. No place to put it. You know, right now I have to go downstairs. I would have to go like this every time to go downstairs. The other day I hit my head on his, on his neck. But, but I want to tell you something. God didn't give me what I wanted. Because if he did, it'd be in the church right there, right there. I'd be preaching. It would be right there. That would inspire me. And then I would say, well, if we put one on the left side, we've got to put another one on the right side. Because people say, well, you're going to put that big thing. And I'm thinking, I, I, I don't know. I don't even know if it's going to fit in the place I'm thinking. See, if I was praying for a record, if God gave me what I wanted and added 42 more inches onto 333, I could put it in my house. You're just having a hard time going downstairs. You know what I mean? It's like a bill wall there. And I thank the Lord that he didn't give me what I wanted, but he gave me a monster. He still gave me something really, really nice and a great time together. You see, and I'm so grateful. When I look at Mumu, (laughs) I miss him every day. He was delicious. I had people knocking at my door. Hey, Pastor, you have any more of that meat or that elk? That was good. I remember, I'll go one more little story, this is so funny. But I remember I moved my brother out from when he was in Pennsylvania, and he had some more moo-moo inside it, you know. And, uh, and I said to him, is that the elk? He says, yeah, I never got a chance to eat it. I'm like, oh, what are you going to do with it? He said, well, I can't take it to Florida. You want it? Oh, do I want it? I got a chance to reminisce with him one more time. <laughs> but sometimes God can give you what you want, and you'll find complain about it. When God didn't give me what I wanted, I was so thankful because he knew better than I did. You know, I wanted this, but he knew more than what I knew. And I needed to trust him in the process. He knows more. We think we know, but he knows more. Look at Jabez say he knows more. So I want you to understand this, that when we have a spirit of criticism and complaining, it's hurt daily in our life. And this is how we know that we are getting accustomed to the blessings of God. Here's another portion of scripture that we see. 1 Peter 4, 9 11. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Wait a minute. You mean I have to serve people? I have to think of them? What? Yeah, that's exactly what the scripture is talking Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. You see, God wants you to be a gift. Someone say, it's not about me. Go ahead. Not about me. But don't we make it about us? Don't we make it about us? How about this one here? This is a powerful one in 1 Thessalonians. I like this one a real lot because it speaks volumes to us. 1 Thessalonians is instructions, clear instructions. And I urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Uh, do you mean everyone, Lord? Really? Do you really mean everyone? Someone say yes. <laughs> Make sure that nobody pays wrong, back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and do and to everyone else. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Oh, wow. If we just took that end part, when you just look at that, Man, give thanks in all circumstances. Not for all circumstances, but in, in it. 
Your problem is we don't want to give thanks when we're going through the pressure. We don't want to give thanks when we're going through the pain. We don't want to give thanks when we feel all this pressure all around us. But the Bible says give thanks. Give thanks knowing God sees the whole thing. God knows what he's doing. Someone say amen. amen. Let, me, let me share one more with you. Another way of knowing the evidence that we're getting to accustomed to our blessings is that the idea that others have a better situation than we do. Boy, do I hear this a lot. 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Get that in your heart. Godliness with contentment is great gain. When you start to compare your life to other people and you look at this person and this person seems to have it all together, don't think that's true. It's like people on Facebook. They only post their best. They don't post their worst days. They only post their best days. Look, they're on vacation. Look, they're all happy. Look, they're all smiling. Look, they're now on a boat having some beautiful meal. They, they're family. They're, boy, they have such a beautiful family. You don't know that family. All you know is pictures. And all you do sometimes is always elevate something else, something else, and you never are grateful for what you have. And when you can never be grateful for what you have in the present, you'll never be grateful for anything you have in the future. It's an attitude of the heart, always an attitude of heart. The Israelites remembered their diet from Egypt. Their diet. I mean, come on. They forgot about their suffering, the whippings, the cruelty, but they're thinking about what? Their stomach. How many times we think about our stomach? We'll leave that alone. <laughs> they were saying the people in Egypt were better off than we were. We were better off in Egypt. Were they really? Really? No, they weren't. But that's what they were telling themselves. You see what happens when you go through things in life? You start to say things to yourself that just are not true. And then you start to believe it. God hasn't said it. You said it. I'm going to say it again. God hasn't said it. You said it. God has some great, wonderful things in store, but you need to get your eyes and your heart upon God and his ways and his plan and his purposes. Then the joy of the Lord will be your strength. But it sometimes is happens in tough times. You know, Robert Shuler had this saying, tough times don't last, but tough people do. <laughs> but it's true. It's really true. It's really important. Slavery is a high price to pay for a change of diet, but yet sometimes because people listen to their pain, they miss the purpose that God has them in. There's always a plan in the midst of a purpose, even though there's pain. Let me read this one to you, Hebrews chapter 13, 5. You've, you've probably, most of you know this. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Come on, how many can put your hands together and give some praise to God because he's never going to leave you. He's with you. No matter what pressure comes your way, he's on your side. He's on your side. Blessed be his name. I love this portion of scripture. It inspires me. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be given to you as well. God knows what you need. If God says, I take care of the birds of the air that does not sow nor reap. If God takes care of them, don't you think he'd take care of you? Why are we complaining about something that God says he's going to take care of you for? Andrew Carnegie was a very wealthy man. He was a multi-multi-millionaire back in the past, he ended up giving $1 million to one of his relatives. That relative, when found out in the will he only got a $1 million, started to curse Andrew Carnegie. And this is what he said. He had $365 million, and he gave me a measly $1 million. You know, this is how people think. This, is a, this, is, this doesn't change. This is still the same today. If someone gave you a gift of a million dollars and they gave someone else $10 million, can you be glad he gave you a million? 
Or are you going to be envious and jealous and say, why'd you give him 10 million and only give me a million? Well, you know what I'll do? You know what I do? I will take away your million. 100%. I've had people come to the food pantry and they're complaining that they didn't get eggs, they didn't get cheese. And one time I said, you want to complain? Well, I should get it. Everybody else get it. I said, this is what we're going to do. Give me your groceries. I took their groceries away from them. I did. I did. I took their groceries. I said, when you can be grateful for what God has provided, then come back to me. My wife was like this. <gasps> I said, no, 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 no. You can tell her to come back another day and we'll give it to her. But if she can't be grateful, she's not going to get what she wants. I'm just not going to put up with that baloney. If you can't be grateful for what God has done from the little things, why would he give you more? Grab hold of the heart of God. Be thankful for what God provides. Not envious of your brother or sister. Listen, in the Bible it talks a person who has ten talents and five talents and then given one talent. And God blesses the one who, gave, who made another five talents on the talents he gave. He made them ten, got ten talents. And God gave more talents to them. Why? Because they're responsible of what they have. Be responsible with just what you have. Let God bring the increase. Someone say amen. Or I'll preach for another hour. (laughs) Let me close. Let me share something that I put together for you. How can I change my heart that I can have a daily gratitude? Listen, we're all in the same boat. Okay, I have my moment just like you have your moments. I just choose not to stay in that moment. And so I asked myself, what can I do to change my attitude? What can I do to change me? Listen, as much as I want to change you, I recognize i got to change me. Now, I want you to change. I want you to have a heart for God. I want you to uh, serve God. I want you to put your hands to the plow. I want you to be invested in God's church and the kingdom work. I want you to make this church your church. I want you to, I want, you to want to see it drive and strive and become what God wants it to become. Not look at what's not happened, but look like, what can I do to make it better, God? What part do I play in the equation? That's what I want you to do. But on reality, you have to choose that. I know what I can do, and I know what I have to choose. I know I have to discipline myself, and one of the things I want to do is I want to have a grateful heart. No matter the pressure, no matter the pain, no matter the problems, I'm still going to praise because God is worthy of the praise. Someone say amen. Amen. So I started to ask myself, Lord, how do we change? How do we change our attitude? Lord, when you have things come at you from every different uh, corner of, of the earth, from the south, East, north, and west. Lord, when it all comes, how many know when it rains, it pours? How many have ever been there? Huh? And then you had to go to the shed and get the big boots on, you know? <laughs> how many of you, your mothers made you wear plastic bags over your boots? Anybody in this room? Anybody? Oh, okay. Yeah. No, mine made me wear them on the outside so the shoe wouldn't get wet. You know me being a kid going on with big bags going to school? Yeah, that was cool. That was real cool. <laughs> That's okay. To tell you the truth, I took them off as soon as I turned the corner. (laughs) Let me give you the seven R's to inner renewal. The seven R's to inner renewal. I want you to write this down. If you do this, it can change you. If you do this, it can change you. There's simply simply seven R's. Seven R's. So if you want to mark your paper, your notes down, and put seven R's, this is what needs to take place so that you can change the way you think to be what God's intended you to be. Number one, when you live your day, and at the end of your day, remember what God has done for you. Remember, you need to, at the end of the day, I want you to remember the good that God has done. I want you to find the good in your day. And then second, the second R, I want you to record it. I want you to get a notebook and start recording all of the good that's in your days. And so you have a day, you find something good. The next, that day, I want you to do the second hour. I want you to record what you saw as good in your day. Third, I want you then to respond. Respond to God and give him thanks upward. And if someone made your day good, I want you to respond outward by saying thank you to them. Remember what God has done. Record it. Write it down. 
then respond with praise and gratitude to God. And if someone made a difference that day, I want you to do it to the person that made a difference. Number four, four R, reflect. Reflect what God has done and now share it with everybody. The goodness of God, share it. Let your mouth continually speak of good things that's happened in your day. Everybody can talk about what they didn't like about your day, but can you make it a habit to focus on what is good? You know, a person has a bad hand. You know, it's really given them a lot of pain. You know, I tell people all the time, How, how's your other hand? Oh, that's great. I said, you know, it wouldn't be so bad for you to talk about how I'm so glad that I have a good, strong other hand. It, it, it's a perspective, but it's how we start to think because negativity drains us. Finding good in God, finding good in life really fills us. Number, number five, rest. You got to then just rest. After you remember, you record, you respond, and you reflect God's goodness to others, just rest in God and trust him in all things. You can just rest knowing your God is on your side. Most people don't know how to just rest. Just God has you back. And at that rest, put a little quotation, God has my back. Now, what happens in life you have another day, Lord willing. Someone say amen. <laughs> and so you might have a bad day the next day after pointing out some good days. And so I want you to now, your next R, number six R, I want you to read the previous good days you've had and remind yourself of what God has done. Read, reflect, read. That's another R, but it's not in there. But that's a good one. Read. Read all that God has done in your past and take it into your present. Knowing the God who has done some good things, some testimonies here, you start reading of what God's done in your past, but here you're having a dark night, here you're having a struggle. Remind yourself, read of what you put down in your Thanksgiving book, praise book. And then seven, when you read of what God has done, now respond with faith to your present problem. Respond with faith to your present problem because your God is bigger than what you're facing. Your God is bigger than what you're facing. The seven R's, remember what God has done. Record it, write it down. Respond with praise and gratitude to God or to the one that you're thankful for. Now reflect it. Share it with all those who come in your, come in your path. Reflect on the goodness and praise God for what he did. Then Live a life of rest that God, your God, you can trust him in all things. And when your next struggle comes, read all that God has done in your past so that you can respond with faith. Number seven, respond in faith to your present problem because your God is bigger. The problem why we lose our joy so often is we always see our problem bigger than our God. And the question that we have to do is we've got to see God bigger than our problem. Because if we really see how big God is, your problem is going to look really small. Someone say amen. So this is the bottom line. Being thankful sweetens you. Being grumble, grum, those who grumble sours you. Being thankful brings sunshine to your countenance. Being ungrateful casts a shadow on your path. Being thankful brings a melody to your words. Being, being, being a critic makes you sound like a loud, noisy, clinging cymbal. Being thankful keeps your feet on the pathway of praise. Complaining will take you down to the road of despair. The feeling of gratitude and not expressing it is like wrapping a present and not giving it to anyone. So I want you and I to know that one leper came back to say, thank you for what you did. Thank you for your touch of healing. Can we be the one that no matter what we're going through, we're going to be people who are thankful to God. We're going to be grateful to what God has done. This portion of scripture, 1 Thessalonians, that we read before, I think is so powerful. And we urge you, brothers, listen to the way we should live. The instructions that God gives is clear. We urge you, brothers, warn those 
who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure that nobody pays wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. I like that. Be joyful sometimes. No, always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for those in Christ Jesus. Will you be the one now the next time you're challenged, you're going to go outside these doors and you're going to be challenged. Just as you say, God, I'm going to do the best, you're going to go outside these doors and you're going to be challenged. But you have to take on the heart of gratitude. You have to say, God, I'm going to be the one that even when trials come, even when problems come, I'm going to be coming and saying thank you. Can you stand to your feet? How many of you here today would actually would say you want your heart to be a grateful, thankful heart? Raise your hand. Yeah, that should be all our hearts to say, God, I so much want to be grateful. But let's be honest with ourselves. How many of you, when something comes, you know, down the pike, it's not the way you want it. How many of you say you have a hard time staying positive? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. But that's the choice you and I have to make. That's the choice you and I have. Thanksgiving is a choice of the heart. It's always a choice of the heart. And if we can remember all that God has done and we start to make that list, even if you want to keep that list in front of you, make the list of all the things God has provided throughout your life, all the things he has done, all the forgiveness he has given, all the grace he has showed you, all that he has done, make that list and remind yourself of the goodness and the greatness of God. It will so help you to have a grateful heart to give God praise. And it's not about food not about food it's really about the heart let's just lift our hands to heaven father we are so grateful for all that you have done we thank you and lord we thank you for this great salvation that you have given to us god we thank you that the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ we thank you for providing the ransom for eternal life and for those online Maybe Jesus is not your Savior. Many here have made Jesus his Savior. Maybe it's this day that you need to start to give God thanks for all that he has done, how he's protected you in areas in such a way. And many here today, God has protected you in so many ways. This is the time to remember what God has done and just say, God, I need you. I want you. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I choose you. Forgive me. Help me. I make you my Lord and my Savior, my God, this day, this day. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Can we give God some praise in the house of the Lord? Can we give him some praise? How many are just grateful for the great salvation he's given to you? His mercy and his grace. How many have been healed by his touch? Blessed be the name. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean, Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.